0: Welcome to episode 113 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 113th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. This week, I'm thinking about support systems. And by that, I mean who I surround myself with that contributes to my success and I contribute to theirs. We are mutual champions, friends, advocates, cheerleaders, and thought partners, and sounding boards. As a pretty hardcore introvert, it's not always intuitive for me to reach out to others for help or for feedback. I tend to default to the do-it-yourself approach. But over the years, I've made a few strategic decisions that have created an extended business family that's benefited my business. One such decision was to hire a business coach. Another was having an accountability partner for several years. And lately, it's being part of a mastermind group that meets through video conferencing every Monday evening. Earlier this week, I was in the hot seat, which means I had the opportunity to bring a topic to the group for feedback and brainstorming. And the discussion was incredibly helpful. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard me mention an online course that I've been developing to supplement my new book. Well, I got stuck. And if you haven't already, you can listen to episode 111 for my story about going aground and getting stuck. And in that stuck place, I was having a lot of trouble moving that online course forward. So I took that stuck state to my mastermind friends, and over the course of 45 minutes, I received feedback and experienced a breakthrough that made me feel a thousand pounds lighter. The breakthrough was the realization that I'd been trying to go from zero to 60 in record time, trying to launch something very cool, very ambitious, and beyond overwhelming. I had become attached to a particular offering looking a particular way, and it had left me paralyzed. So when my friend Dave suggested that I shift my approach and develop an MVP or a minimally viable product and offer a more basic version of what my bigger vision was, I was so relieved I could barely contain myself. And that's the power of when you get stuck, reaching out to others. So here's the new direction that I'm super excited about. I'm leading a virtual book group discussion of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, and it starts on May 3rd. Over the course of six weeks, we'll do a deep dive into the concepts shared in the book. And most importantly, we'll talk about how to take those concepts and apply them to your business. You see, my first intention when I wrote The Introvert Entrepreneur was that it could stand alone and that you could find value in it, even if you just focused on the being parts more than the doing. And that intention still holds true. But as I continue to write and reflect on the book's message, and especially on my role as a coach for entrepreneurs, I realize that inviting you to read the book isn't enough. I want you to take action. And that's why I'm launching and leading the virtual book group. As part of the group, we'll have a weekly conversation for six weeks in a row. And at the conclusion of our time together, you will have taken action on an area of your business that you've identified as your focus. And that depends on what's most important to you. So it might be some networking plans or content management, your social media strategy or service or product development. You also will have created clear commitments based on your goals, your values, and your strengths, as well as walk away with a working outline to get started with implementation. You will have gathered new tools and resources that will support your ongoing development, and you will have benefited from your participation in a community of fellow introvert entrepreneurs, perhaps even forming relationships that will extend beyond the book group. Because after all, introverts need people too. You can read all about the book group, including how it all works and how to sign up on my website, the You'll find the link under the navigation item, work with Beth, and I'll include a direct link in the show notes for this episode. Today's conversation is with someone I know well. In fact, she's the accountability partner I mentioned in a few minutes ago in the introduction. Part of our shared business journey has involved writing books. And now that Arden is about to launch her own book, I thought it was a perfect time to bring her back to the podcast and tell us about it, as well as give us a few tips on a couple of hot topics, digital diplomacy, and being polite about politics. Arden Kleiss is a business etiquette consultant, trainer, speaker, and columnist. An expert in the field of business etiquette, Arden's business etiquette column is a regular feature in the Puget Sound Business Journal. She has been quoted in several national and international publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Real Simple Magazine, China Daily News, and the European Weekly. Arden has also been a featured guest on TV and radio shows, including a regular weekly etiquette segment on radio station KSER 90.7 in Seattle. Of course, you can learn more about Arden and her new book, Spinach in Your Boss's Teeth, as well as find her links to her Introvert Island book selections and other resources mentioned in this podcast in the show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi Arden, welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast. I am so pleased to be chatting with you today. Thank you, Beth. I'm so pleased to be here with you. Well, I want to give our listeners some context since this is the Introvert Entrepreneur. <laughs> I would love to know, where do you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum and how has that awareness influenced you as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, I'm definitely an introvert. Um, however, I fall a little bit more towards the extroversion side, mm-hmm. so I do sometimes get energized by being around people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do need a lot of time alone and uh, to recharge, and you know, just sort of. Be in my own little world. So, yes. And I would also say, and I don't know, I don't know for sure if this is an introversion or extroversion trait, but you know, I'm a little bit harder to get to know. So I think that probably falls under the introversion side of things.
0: Yeah, we tend not to be as easy to read, Mm -hmm. I think, and um, we let people in a little bit more slowly.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true for me.
0: Yeah, we know each other well. Yes, we do. So so I I agree, and I think, you know, you might fall in that sort of social introvert category, I think, because I do see you as being a very social person Mm. um, in terms of being comfortable in social situations, and um, I'm being very gracious and good with people.
1: That's so kind of you. Well, I think just like most people, I have, you know, those social anxieties of, oh, you know, oh my gosh, am I saying the right thing? Am I, you know, are people finding me interesting? Blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think that's common for anyone, extroverts included.
0: Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Well, I, I just realized actually I need to backtrack because usually I ask my guests the first question is what's making you smile today? And I forgot to do that. So, Can I ask you what's making you smile today?
1: Oh, certainly. Well, um, I guess I'll say, you know, my book because it's it's, uh, almost published and it's going to be out and on Amazon and it's been a long time coming. (laughs) It's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey, and it's been so much fun having you be my role model, my cheerleader. So um, yeah, that's what's making me smile, and it's 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 almost here. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm super excited for you, and I want to spend a few minutes talking about this book, um, spinach in your teeth, and no, spinach in your boss's teeth, not in your own teeth. Spinach yeah, your yeah. Teeth. Uh, what was your motivation for writing this book?
1: Well, you know, as a uh, business etiquette consultant, I I've, you know of course wanted to be able to offer a book for my clients for prospective clients really for anyone who gets stymied by etiquette situations in the workplace and that's the title you know spinach in your boss's teeth what are you what do you do what if you say something do you not mm-hmm. uh, and so you know having something that I could offer people to help them feel more confident more comfortable you know know how to handle themselves in certain situations was really my motivation and it was actually kind of my motivation for starting my business. So
0: I think the book is uh, sort of an the outcrop of that experience and that that desire. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, when I knew that you were writing this book, and now that I've seen the cover and it's like coming to life, I have this temptation to wear a backpack and just carry around like 100 copies at all times, um, because I feel like I could give it to everyone I know, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> because they have bad etiquette, but just because it's something that we all have something to learn about it, and we all get in sticky situations. So while I feel like I could give it to everybody,
1: <laughs>
0: I'm guessing you had um, a couple of audiences in mind. So who are you hoping picks up this book?
1: Well, you know, the book really can help anyone in the business world. But I would say, especially those who are starting out their careers, you know, whether they're college students, they're graduating, and they're starting their first job, or you know maybe um, they're transitioning to a more of a professional job. Uh, it also would be great for people that are in the business world that interact with a lot of customers, you know, VIPs. So people that are sort of the face to the organization or need to present themselves well, those are, I'd say, two really important populations that I think will find the book really useful. But I would also say anyone who didn't have formal etiquette training, business etiquette training, or, you know, just wonders, am I doing this right? Or how should I handle this situation? you know, whether it's a chatty coworker or how to run an effective meeting or someone who's traveling globally and wants to understand some of the differences between the countries, United States and other countries, and how best to present themselves and interact with their colleagues or their potential clients in other countries. So it's got a lot of appeal for a lot of different groups, but you know, really anyone in the business world that's just feeling like, I need more information.
0: Yeah. Have you found in any contact that you've had or studying of universities or MBA programs and such that etiquette is something that they talk about?
1: Yes, actually a lot of colleges do, a lot of universities do. In fact, several of them hire me to do dining etiquette sessions for their business students. You know, the colleges that understand that a candidate who is more polished, more courteous, more comfortable and confident is going to have more success in finding a job and keeping a job. So those colleges tend to be ones that really do embrace etiquette, business etiquette, and making sure that their students have that information.
0: Mm -hmm. It seems to me you could have a whole class, I mean, easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it might end up being an elective as a put. You know, that might be the way to get it in the door. But it seems like there's so much, and one of the things I'm going to ask you about in a few minutes is about digital diplomacy, which is a whole area um, that especially we need to deal with on a professional level. That I would think the earlier you develop good habits and awareness the better. (laughs) um, But before we get to that, I I also want to hear a little bit about your self-publishing journey because I know a lot of people, especially, you know, introverts tend to be writers. And as entrepreneurs, we're often drawn to writing a book as a means of expressing ourselves and even a way to reach more people when we physically can't or don't want to be present. (laughs) It's like energy efficient, right? Yes. What's maybe a lesson or two that you've learned through this process and through your journey that you can pass on to someone else that might make their journey a little bit easier?
1: Wow, I've learned so much, Beth. So I would say, first of all, plan for it taking a long time. (laughs) You know, it's funny how many people I meet and and they'll say, I'm writing a book and it's going to be published in two months. And while I know that excitement and that determination, it just takes a long time, especially if you want a quality book I would say first of all write the book and then find some really good editors you know I'm an English literature major I know how to write but when I first got the book back from my first editor I was shocked Mm -hmm. just really shocked and and what's great is I learned so much more about being a good writer And uh, I think that, you know, really to have a quality book, you absolutely have to have good editors. Make sure that you find out what their qualifications are. You know, have they had professional editing experience? Have they gone to school to be an editor? What kinds of books do they edit? All of that is so, so vitally important because when you get that book in your hands, it's printed, and you look through it, you want to be proud with what's in that book, what's been written, and how you phrased your sentences and your paragraphs. So I would say that was probably the most important thing. It took me a long time to find my really good team of people, Um, but once I did, I just feel like they made a world of difference for my book. And, and then the other thing, and unfortunately, I, I was so busy with, you know, working with my team and finding my team, the editors, the designers, that indexer, all the people that help make your book better and more readable. I really didn't spend any time on creating a marketing plan. And once that book is done, as you and I have talked about in the past, you know, the real work begins and you really need to be able to be ready to get that book launched and get lots of attention for it so that it's not just a, it's printed and now what? So yes. <laughs> yeah, so really coming up with your marketing plan way in advance before the book is published and getting all those pieces in place so that you're ready to go and you can have a big launch.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I remember attending a, a Writer's Digest conference and, you know, the panel of editors and publishers and whatnot said, yeah, you can have a great idea and you can have a great book, but it really comes down to the marketing and does, will it sell? Mm-hmm. and yeah, um, and I, I agree with you and, and i don 't know about you know maybe you can speak to this. I can speak for myself, and that the the process of writing the book and working with the team and all of that you know yes it it pushed me out of you know expanded my capacity zone as i'd like to talk about you <laughs> know it it helped me grow my comfort zone um, but it 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 still kept me in some sort of relatively safe introvert waters like. I wasn't having to sell it quite yet in the same way that I knew I would be. Mm. So there's something of a, like jumping into a pool of cold water, you know, there's something about a little shock that happens when you're done with all of the background stuff, yes. with exactly. all the private stuff, you know, of, of putting it together and it has to go out there and be public. And it's like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's so true, Beth. I mean, you know,
1: the launch party, you know... Um, while I am a, a, you know, sort of the social or lean towards extroversion side for social situations and parties and things, it's still, you know, all that attention on me Mm -hmm. as an introvert, it's, it's intimidating. And, and then also the self promotion, you know, getting out Mm -hmm. there and saying, you know, you, you should buy my book or you (laughs) um, (laughs) you, you should hire me as a speaker and, and um, offer the book to your employees or your clients or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's definitely stepping out of the comfort zone and, and putting yourself out there, you know, reaching out to those bloggers and getting on their blogs and mm-hmm. you know, all those. Yeah, it's it's challenging. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, it takes us into new territory. It does. And, and, and I thought and I still think <laughs> that having a book makes self-promotion easier and it's still a lot of work. It doesn't make it easy mm-hmm. if you... A value-added hook, a, a piece of credibility. Um, yes, you know, it, it gives you a kind of a firmer foundation, but it doesn't make it easy to it's do. True.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty fun being able to say author. Yes. You're <laughs> <Teacher, laughs> a trainer and author.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's worth it. It's worth it. And It is absolutely worth it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So I'm, I'm going to, you know, share with people information, of course, in the show notes. We'll um, have a link. You know, I, I would love to, you know, show the cover of the book. It is being launched on? On April 20th. April 20th. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, I will make sure that there's information about that. So let's shift gears maybe to, I'm guessing, some things that might be in the book and spend a few minutes talking about some specific etiquette issues. Yeah. And um, as I mentioned before, something that I know that has been a hot topic is digital diplomacy. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us exactly what is that?
1: Yes. So digital diplomacy refers to how we act on our digital tools. So email, phone conference calls instant messaging texting you know all those social media well yeah social media falls under there all those tools that we use to um, interact with others and uh, more and more as you know that's how we interact with people i was just talking to someone else about how rare it is for us to have a phone conversation. How, you know, anymore it's all communicated through email or a text and it's just very rare to even have a phone conversation, let alone an in-person meeting. So how we act on those tools is just even more important. Yeah. Because we lack body language and sometimes, depending on the tool, email, texting, we lack tone. Yes. And, and so, so often, um, what happens is when we're in front of, or using one of those tools, we forget that there's a real person that we're communicating with. Mm-hmm. And we sort of divorce ourselves from those empathic feelings that we get when we have someone in front of us who is smiling or frowning or you know, having emotions around what we're saying. And so we just have to be extra careful
0: It seems like this has been an issue for a while because I'm thinking back to when blogs first came about, you know, reach the mainstream, I guess, and people can comment virtually anonymously. Mm -hmm. And it seems like common courtesy around how you would be respectful to someone's opinion and, and other things just kind of went out the window. And social media, even though we're less anonymous on social media, it still seems like people don't always they're just, just not respectful. <laughs> right.
1: Yes, it's so true. It's so true. The lack of respect has really been, I think, an issue around our interactions online and through our tools. Again, it's because of the anonymity. Even if you're not anonymous, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's just so much easier because, as I said, you don't have that person in front of you conveying their feelings as you speak to someone. And so I think people have a tendency to do kind of hit and runs, you know, <laughs> so, I'm just going to dump on this person and they won't know, they don't know who I am or if yeah. they do, it's, you know, what are they going to do? Yeah. So really what we need to pay attention to is how would we feel? So, you know, it's back to the golden rule and that's really, it's the basis of etiquette really is how do we want to treat others? It's how, We want to be treated and we have to think about if someone did what I'm thinking of doing to this person, (laughs) a nasty comment or picking up my phone while I'm meeting with someone in person, how would that make me feel? Would I be annoyed? Would I be hurt? Mm -hmm. Would I be devastated? And if so, then why would I want to do that? Yeah. Why would I want to, to make someone feel bad? So we have to really be thinking about what's the ramifications on this other person when I, I take these actions. Yeah. You know, even something as simple as this, Beth, when you write an email and you don't use a greeting like you know, hi Beth, you know, happy happy Monday, and then you get in, you know into whatever it is that you're asking, but instead you just go right in. You don't say hello. You don't use the person's name. You don't say good morning. You know whatever, and you're like, I need this report by two p.m. today, and then no sign off. Mm-hmm. While you certainly might be in a hurry. You need that report, and you're you know, hurry up. I need it get it to me now, that little lack of courtesy just sets that person in a a sort of a negative place. And then even though maybe you didn't even intend for someone to be offended, they might be thinking, wow, what, you know, did I do something wrong? Is this person mad at me? Are they having a bad day? You know, it's just, it sets off a whole negative circle of experiences. Yeah. So, you know, we just have to be really thoughtful about Are we being kind? Are we being friendly? Are we doing something that's going to hurt someone?
0: Yeah. I have a personal story around that that you've just reminded me of that I had conveniently forgotten. It's maybe eleven or twelve years ago, and and this is and I share this because it's it's an example of we might think that those things are important when we're talking to someone who's just an acquaintance or we're less familiar and it's casual and we're friends. Oh, I don't I can you know I don't need to do all that stuff. Right. Well, in this case, you know it was in the workplace, but it was an email that I sent to a friend, you know, a colleague. In in another department, and I think I did exactly what you said, you know, would you please get me this report by two Mm o'clock? And she let me know that that was not okay, (laughs) 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 even though we were friends, you know, she she said, I'm not here to do your bidding. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, ouch. Because yeah. I never, ever meant to, you know, be that way. But, and, and I think maybe I was, you know, leaning into the casual side of things and forgetting that as professionals and, and showing mutual respect to one another, that, you know, as she suggested after she received that email, she said it would have been helpful if you had said, I'm going into a meeting tomorrow and um, this information would be useful for me would you have time to run this report and Mm. I too, let me know if you have any questions, Mm. math, you know? (laughs) So she taught, you know, right then that all it took is once. Yeah. That lesson of always be courteous. It doesn't matter if it's, it could be your spouse, you know, it could be your child, but just, Extend that level of respect and courtesy.
1: Yeah, I liken it to you know if if you were walking past a friend on the street, would you not <laughs> say hello? You know, right. hey, I need that report today.
0: Yeah, get me that coffee.
1: <laughs> or, or even you know in the workplace, where you're you're passing by someone in the hall, and mm-hmm. you know would you totally not say hello to them or yep. acknowledge yeah. them?
0: Um, Well, and that's one thing I, I often will coach introverts who, whether they're entrepreneurs or professionals in a work environment, if they feel like they are not coming across as approachable or a team player or being diplomatic and respectful, that it's as simple as making eye contact when you cross in the hall and smile and mm-hmm. saying hello um, mm-hmm. or putting the greetings on the email because those are like little tiny, like warmers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they warm, they break the ice, they warm things up.
1: Yeah.
0: And it, That's it's a good way of putting it. It's, it's not like you're having to be something you're not or fake it. It's just being very conscious of what kind of connection am I making with people? Right. Right. And, and I think, again, because, you know, we may not be
1: that formal in person, but, you know, you wouldn't every single time you, you see someone that day, you know, hello, good morning, you know, <laughs> right. um, but, but because email lacks tone. yes. And body language, you do have to make that extra effort. Now, that doesn't mean when you're having an email conversation that's back and forth that each time you have to say, <laughs> "You know, hi Beth, I hope you're doing you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, eventually, uh, you know, after a couple of back and forths, you can dispense with the greeting and yes. just get down to the conversation. Yeah. Good. But yeah. Time. So it's those little things that we have to be aware of that can be. Taken in a a very different way, just like you, your friend or your coworker, you know, thought, "Wow, how how rude!" And you weren't meaning yeah. to be rude at all.
0: No, yeah. it was just, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Before we leave this topic, I'm thinking particularly of phones, people's relationships with their phones, and how they are showing up in public with their phones and, uh-huh. and all of that. What advice could you give us that would help us? be more digitally smart about our smartphones and, and aware of like how we're being perceived by others and how we're treating others. Yeah.
1: This is what I say. When you're with someone in person, that person is your priority. So unless you're on the phone first talking to someone and someone walks up to you, you know, then the phone is your priority. But if you're having a conversation with someone and an email comes in or a text or the phone rings, that person in front of you is your priority. That means you don't answer the phone. You don't look at it. That said, if you are waiting for some emergency or expecting something important to come in, you can say to the person you're meeting with, I may get a urgent call. Mm. I don't have to take So if it comes in, um, I'll take it. And then you'll step away from that person when you do answer it. But normally the person in front of us is a priority because when we pick up our phone, whether it's to respond to a text or, you know, answer the phone, it's like turning your back on someone. Mm -hmm. and, And then that poor person has to suffer through listening to you talk to someone on the phone or put your attention on answering a text. And it's just really rude. It's not comfortable for the other person and it's not respectful of their time.
0: Yeah. And we see it so much. I mean, every day I would have trouble imagining someone not witnessing this Yeah, um, kind of behavior. And I see so many
1: families out to eat. Uh, It's so sad. And I think what even makes me the most sad is when I see a parent with a child and they're spending the whole time looking at their phone and the poor child is like, you know, they might be acting out because they're trying to get attention or they don't know what to do. And that's such an important time for interacting with your child. You know, learning, having a child have a conversation with you and asking about their day and learning about what's going on instead of
0: focusing
1: on your phone.
0: Yes. Such a good time to bond with
1: your child, not your phone.
0: Yes. That's a great way of putting it. (laughs) Bond with your child, not your phone. Yes. Your phone is going to get upgraded in two years. Your child is, you know... (laughs) Yeah. And way more important and point about the restaurants. You know, I brought that up and I say, oh, it's such a shame when you see people out dining together and they're looking at their phones. And as soon as I said that, I had this image of me and my husband out to dinner and looking at our phones. (laughs) But I will say sometimes we're just so tired and, or we're, we don't quite have the bandwidth to talk yet. And we feel like let's wait until the food comes Uh because then I'll have a little bit more energy. So let me just kind of transition from whatever I was doing to here. And we'll just agree, you know, can he play solitaire for 10 minutes and I'll play words with friends or we'll (laughs) be reading the news or checking Facebook. And, and I think it's because we have an agreement about it and we know why we're doing it that it's okay. And then for us, the point is like when the wait person comes over to make sure we put down the phone and pay attention to what we're doing and we're not rude to that person.
1: And I think the difference there, Beth, is that you both have agreed that, okay, we're going to both just look at our phones right now and decompress and, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I think as long as both people are in agreement, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's fine. But when one person pulls out their phone, the other person was kind of hoping for a connection. (laughs) Yeah. Not that we should be treating our spouses different, but, you know, friends, uh, that's another story. Friends, clients, colleagues,
0: yeah. Definitely. Well, I want to close this part of our conversation um, with another hot topic, and that is politics. One of those things you're not supposed to talk about. But we are in a presidential season, and speaking of digital diplomacy in terms of, like, how you're behaving online, what recommendations do you have for how to share your opinions or how to engage in conversation and share your views without getting into trouble?
1: Well, you know, when we were growing up, mom always said, don't talk about controversial topics, which included politics, religion, probably sex. And, you know, if there's Money. F- the thing about politics is it's so hard to have a conversation or have a an interaction that's positive around politics because usually when people are talking politics they want to change minds mm-hmm. and there might be a lot of anger a lot of disgust a lot of you know why would you think that way or why would you do that or you know why would anyone think of voting for that person mm-hmm. and what happens is it just makes people further entrenched in their beliefs so it's the rare person that can approach a political conversation with an open mind. And that's really the only way you can talk politics and have it be constructive and positive. So in other words, rather than saying, you know, if you're going to vote for so-and-so, you're an idiot, <laughs> which is not going to do you any good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guarantee you, no one's going to say, Arden told me I'm an idiot for thinking about voting for so-and-so. She's so right. (laughs) I'm going to change my mind. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No one is going to change. But instead, if you say, you know, these are the reasons I'm thinking of supporting this candidate. You know, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So, and, and when you say, what do you think? It needs to be genuine. Yes. It's not a a bait and I'm going to then prove you wrong it's a, I really am curious. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when discussing politics is going to be most powerful because you get get a conversation going. And if you can keep the heatedness out of it, the judgment and the anger, it's just going to be a lot more effective.
0: Yeah, totally agree. What do you do if you start out trying to be civil and you end up getting attacked, like somebody else escalates. Yeah, conversation. is it polite to just ghost, <laughs> you know, just do you, <laughs> do you need to say something or how do you, you know? I, I think it'd be okay to say,
1: um, My intent was not to have a nasty conversation or critical conversation, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I think I'll just stop discussing it at this point. Yeah, so you don't have to necessarily point out to say that someone was wrong, mm-hmm. but instead that it wasn't really your intent and you don't want to go there. Yeah, that sounds fair enough. But it's so tempting to say you're just wrong. (laughs) I know. I know. And that's why I actually made the decision like five years ago to not post politics. It's hard at times, especially when I'm really just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Right. But it just doesn't lead to anything positive. There was actually like I don't know, two months ago where there was something about um, a candidate and sort of the lessons that children could learn from that. And because my business teaches, offers children's etiquette classes, I thought there was some interesting points in there. (laughs) And I professed it by saying I don't normally talk about politics and this is not meant as a political conversation, but more a lesson about what it is that we need to be thinking about the kids are learning. Yes. And so that's that's, great. that's the one time I chose to post something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example um, because interestingly, the political season, especially one as interesting as yes. <laughs> this one is, there's a lot of lessons. I mean, you know, there's a lot to glean from it. And sometimes in my space, in your space, there might be something we could write about. Like I saw something that said Hillary Clinton described herself as an extra intro So an extroverted introvert, you know, Uh I haven't seen somebody quite put it, extra intro. Uh Okay, so if I share that, is that going to be seen as truly what it is? Just here's an interesting way that someone has framed this. Or is it going to be, oh, she's talking about Hillary Clinton, so therefore blah, 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 Right. (laughs) And so I I think I did choose to mention it, but I said, just like you did, like, I'm not sharing this from a political angle. I'm sharing it from a social angle, you know, however else you can frame that. Yes. It's a sticky wicket,
1: isn't it? It is indeed. It
0: is indeed. Well, thank you for giving us some, some hints on how to navigate that, um, you know, more graciously. I sure. appreciate it. So, so let's wrap up. Um, I want to invite you to Introvert Island. You have three weeks vacation. After all of your hard work on the book, you, I'm sure, could use some downtime. And on that three-week vacation, you can take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Oh boy. Well,
1: you know, I was thinking that uh, as an English literature major, I actually did not read any of Shakespeare's plays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think partly because I was intimidated. And Shakespeare was not required when I was getting my degree, mm-hmm. sadly, because I wish I had. And so I think, you know, three weeks on an island would certainly be a nice long amount of time to be able to delve into a couple of Shakespeare plays and try to decode the language. And <laughs> you know, I think that that would be a lot of fun. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned these books before, but my most favorite, favorite books are Cold Mountain.
0: Mm and I'm forgetting the author's name, my goodness. Um, I can't remember either, but I can picture the book cover. We'll include it in the show notes yeah. so you don't have to hurt your brain. <laughs> oh good, oh good, good,
1: good, good. So brilliant book, loved it, beautifully written. Another one that I just love, love, love is Peace Like a River. And um, it's been a long time since I've read it and it's just got some lovely writing and great passages
0: and I think it'd be really fun to read that again. So those would be my three. Awesome. And I bet you can get complete works of Shakespeare in one volume. At least the plays. Probably. Excellent. Well, um, so how can people connect with you, learn more about Kleiss Etiquette and spinach in your boss's teeth?
1: So they can go to my website at www.kleissetiquette.com. My name is spelled C-L-I-S as in Sam, E, and then etiquette. My book is going to be on Amazon starting April 20th and they'll be able to order it in print or ebook. So I hope that they'll come visit me and check out my website and the book
0: and yeah, my blogs. And you have a fabulous newsletter that has I have
1: fabulous won
0: awards. So
1: It has and I think people like it because it's just got quick etiquette tips. Yep. So. Um, very easy to read, and, and you always walk away with something. So I'd love for people to sign up for that, which they can do on my website as well.
0: Awesome! And I thought of you last night because we had asparagus, and it was through your newsletter that I learned that you could eat your asparagus with your fingers. Yes, that it could be a finger food. So I actually I did that when I was walking from the kitchen to the t- table, <laughs> <laughs> and you could say to Andy. I know that this is proper etiquette. Exactly. (laughs) I'm not just overly hungry and impatient. That's right. That's so great, Beth. I love it. Thank you for that. Yes. Well, it's been, it's been great fun chatting with you, Arden, and thank you so much for your tips. And I do really encourage people to subscribe to the newsletter and check out your blog because there's always something new. And the, the topic of etiquette, we think of the word as being sort of old fashioned, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been more relevant because we're so much more connected than we ever have been. So it's more important today, I think, than ever. So Thank you. I agree. Well, thank you, Beth. I Always a pleasure being with you. Hardin's book is available for purchase on Amazon, and she includes tips on a whole range of topics, including starting and graciously ending conversations, do's and don'ts for posting on social media, how to greet business partners and clients from other countries, meeting and mingling with ease, and conducting effective meetings. And since Arden is an introvert herself, you know that she's sharing information that is likely to be very introvert friendly. You'll find a link to her book in the episode show notes, along with a link to her website and her awesome newsletter, and other ways that you can connect with her. And remember, if you want to be part of the inaugural book discussion groups for my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, head on over to my website and fill out your enrollment form. The deadline is April 28th future book group dates will be announced in the near future, so stay tuned. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends and colleagues, and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you access this podcast from. Your review will help someone else discover this podcast, so thank you so much in advance for your consideration. And also a very special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant Naja for the episode show notes. And of course, I am extremely grateful that you chose to spend some of your precious time with me here. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.